and welcome to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Isaac Williams, and I'm here with my two good friends, Tom Lang and Tom McLean. Hello. G'day. How are you guys going? Yeah, not bad. <laughs> we fired Mitch. Get out of here, Mitch. His, his Triple J openings, ridiculous. Uh. That NPR energy. It's much, exactly. <laughs> it's much more informative. This is the, uh, the, the chill gang. We're just going to talk about... Politics and board game design. Yeah, we are. We're planning to talk about politics, but because it's just the three of us, we will end up talking about board game design. Sorry, yeah. everybody. I mean, what is the hotel quarantine program if not a problem of worker placement? <laughs> it's very true. It's just an inadequate, you know, arrangement of resources. They're not keeping victory points in mind. They're playing the short game. It's 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 bad. Yeah. <laughs> Pandemic, am I right, guys? Oh, yeah, that's a board game. There you go. <laughs> Hit that one earlier. Oh, well. <laughs> so the government has ordered an urgent review into the commission of the National Australia Day Council Board to, to ensure it can, it can continue to lead and build on the, their work, um, which is wild <laughs> on several levels because the government's like, my God, we need an urgent review into the Australia Day Council Board. And everyone's like, the what? Like, <laughs> those guys... I thought the Queen chose that. <laughs> <laughs> Different council. That's the order of Australia. The Australia Day Board is a bunch of, of nice, mostly retired middle class people whose job is literally to make sure everybody has good vibes about Australia. Um, wasn't, not wasn't even in an... In an ben over- Robert Smith on the board, though, for a while? Yeah. 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 Good vibes. Moving so just, on. Yeah, heroes. Obviously. <laughs> they picked him at the time. They thought he had some good vibes. In hindsight, mm. Mm, mm. bad vibes, bad vibes. Alleged um, bad vibes. Yeah, but here's the thing. Vibes. Here's the thing. They're not like, they're not a major propaganda wing. Like, yeah, they do, they do some, they do the light propaganda. They go, oh, Aussies like lamb and b- togetherness. And uh, as long as you are blokey, you'll fit in even if you're brown. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's it's that whole, the like. spirit of Australia. <clears throat> it's the spirit of Australia stuff. It's like, Australia's pretty good, eh? We've got that larrikin attitude, which which is, you know, obviously a bit erasy of all of the bad things that happen in Australia. But it doesn't seem like the kind of thing the government would be calling an uh, like like okay we're in the middle of a pandemic um we're in the middle of a climate crisis we're in the middle of about five other overlapping things no let's urgently review the australia day board and everyone's like it's because that somebody in the government got wind of the fact that it's not a major propaganda wing yeah (laughs) just like hold on what urgent review we need this to be a propaganda wing thank you very much and everybody absolutely as soon as they heard this was like it's because of grace tame right it's because Grace Tame's been saying the government's not great. And the government's like, no, what? Who, who's that? Wait. Absolutely not. <laughs> it's absolutely not about that. It's because of... Um, mm, definitely for reasons, though. Because yeah, for good, important, and let's, let's urgent. be clear, urgent reasons. Urgent. Urgent. Mm. <laughs> we need to get it reviewed before next Australia Day, I guess. Yeah, the only thing the Australia Day Council does that anybody cares about is pick Australian of the Year. They pick a couple. Um, they're always like a, a cool sports guy or a cool medical guy. or You know, sometimes they're women. Recently, there have been some women, and maybe that's been the problem. Because um, at this point, it seems like it's been going on forever, but Grace Tame actually sparked off. The whole, she inspired Brittany Higgins to speak out. She kicked off this whole ball rolling of, turns out the government is full of horrible creeps. 
Um, that obviously and she's the been pretty instrumental popular. in in uh, pushing pushing yeah. the, uh, the prime minister to take responsibility. She's kept calling him out really incisively, and obviously the government's not good at, at uh, with that. Um, and so they've got Glennis Bush B- Beecham, Glennis Beecham. <laughs> that they is not how her. her name is spelled. No, Glennis Bucket. Um, they've commissioned <laughs> her to undertake the review. Now that name now, is familiar. Yeah, mm. we've hit that pronunciation scandal before. <laughs> I I remember reading that name because she was involved in sports rorts. Mm. She was the secretary of the health department, yeah. and uh, when she was about to get grilled about particular sports rorts uh, details. Uh, she announced that she had destroyed all of her notebooks, uh, and that was a very normal and fine thing to do. Hmm. And, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe it is a very normal and fine thing to do, but maybe you should have just kept them around just in case because of all the corruption evidence that was in them, th- th- that may have been in them, who knows. Yeah. To be clear, we're not giving her the benefit of the doubt here. It was a fuck thing to do. <laughs> if you're keeping notebooks in that level of detail... You shouldn't be destroying them right when it turns out this might be a scandal. That's sus at the very least. So, it, it sounds like the Australia Day of the Year Council is in uh, safe hands. Yes. Mm. And uh, we might uh, look forward to hearing the news that Glennis Beecham uh, just shredded Grace Tame. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Australia Day should be shredded. Oh, Yeah. Things are things are real bad at the moment in India, and I, I'm sure you've been you've been hearing hearing the numbers and reading the horrifying headlines. Yeah, thing, things are not good, and and whenever you think things are not good, you read a headline and you think, oh shit, things are even worse than I thought. Are we correct in saying that this is the worst COVID outbreak sort of ever that's happened? Exactly. Yeah, there was four hundred thousand uh, cases today. Jesus. Um, Jesus Christ. And so, of course. The Australian government has a, um, a sensible and reasoned response um, to this to this ongoing crisis. They, you know, you might expect maybe they're they're boosting up uh, boosting up our quarantine system to make sure that people can come mm-hmm. back to Australia in a uh, in a safe manner. Mm-hmm. Maybe sending some aid, or maybe sending some aid, sending some vaccines over to India. Um, but no, of course, that is not the Australian government's response. What they have announced is that starting from Monday. Uh, if you have been in India for the last 14 days and you come back to Australia, you will be uh, up for five years in prison and or a fine of $66,600. The, the thing that's wild about this to me, obviously there's all this of whole the sort thing of is actual political and sort of human scale <laughs> impacts of this, but the fact that our sort of Pentecostal Christian government has pegged the fine at six 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 hundred dollars. I know mm-hmm. that they, they are absolutely going into to COVID crazy. That's uh, COVID is actually the, the devil uh, but, zones. <laughs> yeah. But this is this is also like if if you've been in India in the last fourteen days in the worst COVID outbreak the world has seen, and you mm. return to Australia, which you absolutely would want to do, because staying mm-hmm. in India is a great way to put your life in serious risk. Mm. Yeah, there's a terrible crisis there. If you, you attempt you to return out of there. to the country that you are a citizen of, this is the Australians returning home. You will be thrown in jail. Not 
Not you'll be thrown in quarantine. Not you'll have to quarantine or have tests or it'll be hard to get home. No, you just, it, it's illegal. So that, what? So that's also what makes this unique uh, as a response compared to, to our uh, Australia's other responses to uh, COVID crises uh, around the world is that it applies to citizens as well. So unlike... Uh, unlike other, you know, when when um, when COVID first first broke out, we were uh, we had um, travel restrictions in place for people who weren't citizens. But this this applies mm. to anybody. Mm. It's it's also like the, they're citizens. You know, I, I think if you're an Australian citizen in India, the, the the sort of top priority that you would have at the moment, I think, would be like sort of violating the conditions of your visa so that they deport you. You know, mm -hmm. so that you're like, oh, I wasn't trying to get home, but, you know, I'm a citizen and I got deported. So, mm. you, you know, tough shit. Yeah. You can't make someone stateless. Like, I've, well, I've, oh, they fucking will, though. <laughs> <laughs> like, because this, this boggles my mind. And I'm not a lawyer of international human rights law, but it seems like neither is anybody else in the government. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you'd be you'd be uh, interested to know that this this, this uh, plan may be illegal. Um, it's, um, the, 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 the way that they're, that they're, um, doing this ban, it's, um, under the biosecurity act, uh, which you can, you can put, um, restrictions in place into, into movement, but that has to be, uh, appropriate and no more restrictive or intrusive than is required for the circumstances. And there are certainly, uh, many good arguments that this is way more restrictive and intrusive than is required for the circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've never even had bans on the UK or the US, even at their worst outbreak levels. Uh, we've just been sort of happily accepting returning travelers there. Yeah. Comparison, um, when, when US, the US was at the, the height of their, their, um, outbreaks, um, they had, uh, 314,000 daily cases. So, I mean, it's in the same ballpark as, as India's 400,000 daily cases. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually higher than I knew. That's holy shit. And that was in January, I think. And, yeah. and that was when we were sending journos over to America. Mm -hmm. We were having American film stars and probably fucking that was when the tennis was coming over here. Yep. When was oh, the yeah. when was the Australian Open? It was around then. Don't 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 ask any of any of yeah. us. I don't have the exact date, but I'm pretty sure that during the Australian Open, the USA continued to have an outbreak at a yep. fairly wild yeah. level. Yeah, and mm -hmm. we were we were getting freaking tennis players over. We were allowing them to you know be in quarantine for a couple of weeks. You know, all that stuff that I'm prepared to put up with all sorts of inconvenience during a pandemic. Like we've all had our ability to travel the world basically eradicated. And, and I personally am mostly fine with that um, because it's, it's necessary in a lot of ways. You can't just have everybody jetting around. Um, but at the point where you say you're literally not allowed in the country under any circumstances or you'll be thrown in jail, it, I can't, I can't, I'm not even saying anything new here. It boggles my mind. Mm. Yeah. Like, where do you go? <laughs> yeah, well, I, th I think that this is something that, yeah, I, I wanted to talk about is, is the way that, that uh, colonialist projects bring back the, the restrictions and, the, and the, the, the things that they apply to, to outsiders. Uh, they end up applying those to, to people from inside that, that, uh, that project. 
Mm. So I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot of parallels with uh, with the way that that we're handling this current situation, with the way that we handle refugees in Australia. Um, so I mean, if if you've been in India for for the last 14 days, then you're up for a, a five years in prison. So that means that you you I mean you can come home to Australia from India, but you need to stay in another country which isn't India for 14 okay. days before that. I mean, good luck to you. Yes. So that essentially makes um, the the travel of people from India to Australia the problem of someone else. But also yes. it's like Australia is like, we don't want any Australians coming out of India. And everyone else is like, well, we don't want any fucking Australians coming out of India to our country. That's not our problem. Exactly. So it, 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 it so, you know, if, if you're, if you're in India and you manage to get a flight to the UK and stay there for, and quarantine in the UK for 14 days and then get a flight to Australia and then quarantine for 14 days, that, that is one way you can, you can do that. But there's also, but that, that is kind of uh, a parallel to the way that, that we, we, um, have turned refugees mm. in Australia into, uh, into the problem of Nauru or the problem of Papua New Guinea or the problem of New Zealand. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is this this mirrors like other stuff with the government as well. Like we were talking about last episode, how the government, the Australian government, has made basically all climate emissions mm. um, the other countries' problems. Just mm. like oh, you know, like you manufactured it for us, so your emissions are your problem. We manufactured it for you, so those emissions are your problem. Like that's someone else's problem as well. And then we look at like uh, you know alt right radicalization, where there was the the Christchurch massacre, who was an Australian mm. uh, who perpetrated that. And mm-hmm. Australia's just like not sort of even really acknowledged that that was a, you know a, an Australian export uh, that that caused that. Like we're just like oh look, everything's somebody else's problem. Yeah. yeah. If you export fascism to our country, that's your fault. If we export fascism <laughs> to your country, that's your fault. We made <laughs> Rupert Murdoch. <clears throat> I cannot stress this enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, and man. It, it really is. First, they came for the refugees. And then they came for the non-Australians, and now they've come for the actual Australians. And everyone's like, wait, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Who knew the leopard would eat my face? <laughs> and it's it's crazy seeing even people who are like LNP supporters or like Labor right, because Labor also is fully complicit in our uh, draconic refugee kind of uh, situation. It's crazy <laughs> seeing these people- being like, what? You can't just restrict people's human rights and ability to seek refuge in another country. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, well, hey. dude. Uh-huh. How did you not see this happening? I mean, it's just even parallels with the Victorian government there where the um, the, the tower lockdown was described mm. as a violation of human rights. Mm. That uh, the, the Victorian government was just like, yeah, well, you know, sometimes you've got to violate human rights when you responded to COVID. And everyone was like, you know what, Dictator Dan, he's bloody got a bloody good point. <laughs> and then the federal government's like, and Australian citizens are not allowed to return. Everyone's like, oh, you can't violate human rights just because you're trying to respond to the COVID. Like, mm-hmm. nah, you- <laughs> I'm really interested to know, and this might be more difficult than we can just Wikipedia right now, but, but is this something that has precedent, like, in other countries? I know it doesn't have precedent in Australia. This is the... F- as far as I'm aware, the first time in, mm. like, Australian history people have been prevented legally from coming- for Australians have been prevented from coming to Australia. Um, yeah. uh, have I'm other sure countries done this? Actually, there was one but- case a while ago I remember people just being like, you, you can't stop 
an Australian citizen from coming back. It was like- uh, Was um, it like a, they were a, a dual citizen or something? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was um, Australian dual citizens who were accused they of- They revoked their like, citizenship. Being yeah. um, involved in like terror stuff in the you know Middle East or whatever, right. where they were like, yeah, you're not Australian citizens anymore. We revoked that. You are the problem of whatever other country you're a citizen of. Mm. And uh, that was a pretty controversial move as well because- They've just fucking made it somebody else's problem. They just washed their hands of this thing. Um, so that's okay. That is shitty. It's 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 more complicated more complicated when it's just a single citizenship because then you can't make someone stateless. I mean, you can, and they bloody yeah. would. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that you're like, you can't do that. But the Australian <laughs> government is like, oh, we figured out this pretty cool secret, which is uh, when somebody says you can't do something, almost just- always they mean you shouldn't. Yeah. And that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah. Turns out I can't. I just removed the uh, the ethics center of my brain. You guys should try it. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> All the journos are like- We did try it. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> Invite us to the journo ball. <laughs> I'm actually looking at the Wikipedia here for the concept of right of return. And it turns out <laughs> by doing this, we are breaking the Hague regulations, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, the Fourth Geneva Convention, and the Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Racial Discrimination. Huh. Wow. So, real, real just- Triple threat there. Just a Scott Morrison voice being like, yeah, I've been meaning to get rid of those for ages. And finally, <laughs> the pandemic's given me a reason to just, like, finally get off my ass and do something about those bloody Hague conventions. I'm starting to think they've got the UN, like, Declaration of Human Rights up on the wall and he just likes to tick things off now and then. <laughs> it's a fucking checklist. <laughs> They're just using it as a, as a, as a dartboard, yeah. you know? Just, just throw, a, throw a dart and, and work out which one you're going to break. We're going to make jobs building landmines. Don't break the chain calendar up on his wall, making sure that he breaks one of the Hague declarations every day. <laughs> so, in terms of things that the, uh, the, the, the government could have done in order to, to allow Australians to return safely, um, I mean, we, we've, we've got this, this system of, of hotel quarantine, which is uh, somewhat problematic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, like ju- just today there has been another another um, uh, outbreak um, from hotel quarantine staff in in Perth um, who mm. happened to have six uh, live in live in housemates with six other people <clears throat> and and workers workers um, delivery drivers on the side because oh because seriously we love to not pay our uh, hotel quarantine workers. Did they work um, as we a love delivery to smash our insecure side. work problem into our pandemic problem. Oh the two God. problems that go great together. Yep. Um, How have we not learned this by now? <laughs> well, yeah. So, so I mean, Victoria, um, the Victorian government has recently proposed building a dedicated quarantine facility, but they need um, they need uh, federal funds to do that because mm. quarantine is the federal job. Yes, uh, which to which uh, Peter Dutton has said that hotel quarantine was doing a good job and um, described uh, numerous leaks uh, that led to snap lockdowns around the country as small blips. Mm-hmm. It's amazing the things Peter Dutton can write off as being a small blip. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then there's other things uh, which aren't small blips that are, mm. you know, are gangs or whatever. <laughs> so it's, it's good to see his yeah. priorities. Video there. games. And um, in October 2020, the government's own um, uh, COVID commission, who you may remember as mm-hmm. uh, re- uh, recommending a gas-led recovery. So, they're, so they're, they're, they're mostly there to tell the government what they, what they want. 
their their recommendations included a um, that the government consider a, um, national facilities for for quarantine, which uh, which can be scaled for mm-hmm. situations exactly like this, which the government uh, has ignored. And I I love the idea that the COVID commission had to do like a half day where they pretended to be at all COVID relevant before they got onto the gas <laughs> stuff. And they're like, okay, so what's just the really obvious stuff that everyone would yep. think about? Okay, national quarantine facilities. All right, getting vaccines, um, yep. having a plan for getting Australians back from overseas. Cool. Um, now let's move on to the gas. They're just like winking at the camera like, oh, what we're going to do for our COVID recommendations is just put down stuff that's the federal government's responsibility already so that yeah. it doesn't even count. And the federal <laughs> government looks at that and it's just like, no. no. Stuff that's <laughs> so obvious. Not. Every country should already have been doing it. Uh, should have called it a gas-fired quarantine. <laughs> Build a new quarantine facility sponsored by Santos in the West Australian gas fields. Uh so here's the thing. Australia's not only shutting our doors to our own citizens. Obviously, we're also shutting our doors to everyone who's not our citizens. That's nothing new. We've been doing that for bloody since day one. Mm. But it's it's wild the level at which we can just dust our hands of the whole world. Mm. Because India obviously is going through this massive crisis. They're in our region. They are a strong like diplomatic and trading partner of us and we're not really doing anything to help. We've gone good luck with that. Mm-hmm. We don't want you to have access to vaccines because Australia is one of the countries that is is fighting pretty hard to prevent um, vaccine patents being available to countries like India who aren't stupid rich. Australia is putting more effort into preventing other countries from getting vaccines than they are into getting vaccines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's wild. Um, and we're not even making money out of the vaccines. We just love the idea of poor people not getting stuff. Mm. We're actively, like every problem, trying to make this worse. We're trying to lock the door and not let India have the things they need to live. Um, and it's interesting to compare our approach, which is the same as the approach of the US or a lot of the EU, um, to somewhere like China or Russia, who are often shown as like the bad guys of the world um, in, in the West but are often more friendly to countries like India in some ways. And, and this is where the, the third world um, concept comes from, is because you have, you have the Western capitalist countries of the first world, the, the Russian Chinese communist countries of the second world, and we're fighting over the third world. Um, we used to do that and still do, do the, that with, with bombs and stuff, you know, like in the case of Vietnam, was China and America fighting over who got Vietnam, or at least communism and capitalism. But now China actually does this thing where they provide a lot of aid to the so-called third world um, in terms of like infrastructure to places in Africa and loans and vaccines to places like India. China is loading up vaccines. They're sending tons of aid to India. Everyone's like, well, this is vaccine diplomacy. And yeah, it is. Like, China doesn't do anything for free. China's not a humanitarian. And, and, and China's certainly going to say, hey, India, remember that time we helped save millions of mm. your people by giving you vaccines? Uh, how about you, you give us a bit of help in return or, you know, help us out on the world stage? Uh, but that's better than not giving them the vaccines. Yeah, like this, this idea that it's vaccine diplomacy of like, Oh, that's cheating, though, you're giving them vaccines. Australia's yeah. like, no, nah, diplomacy is where you just tell everyone to fuck off. <laughs> it's isn't true. That, isn't that how you do it? <laughs> like, like, yeah, it's diplomacy. Maybe you should try it. Maybe if you gave India more cheaper, better vaccines, they'd like you too. Have you thought of that? 
Okay, I'll get him on the phone. Hey, is this India? Yeah. Yeah, fuck off. Is that right? Did I do it right? Don't don't be friends with China or oh, we'll be even more mean and racist to you. Hold on, I'm getting out on a group call with China. Both of you, fuck off. I'm a diplomat. <laughs> yeah, got him. So, so I think the, the, the situation with India and vaccines is also really interesting because India makes a lot of vaccines. They're, they are the, the biggest exporter of vaccines to the world and 30% of the world's supply of mm. vaccines is actually made in India. Mm. Oh, wow. um, They're like Australia and coal. <laughs> yeah, uh, but un- but un- I guess I guess similar to to Australia and and coal, um, the the Indian people are not the ones who benefit from their vaccines. Uh, the um, inter- uh, huge uh, multinational companies are, are the ones that benefit from those yeah. vaccines because most of the uh, the vaccines that India is making are made under under um, license yeah. um, from from huge companies like AstraZeneca. Mm. And so the yeah like like the 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 profits are going to those to those huge companies and also the the vast majority of um of uh vaccines produced are going to high income high mm. income countries that's colonialism that uh, is colonialism and obviously all of this is is colonialism um and that really reminds me of I think it was Bill Gates was saying like oh we can't just give the patents to poor countries like India Oh, it's about safety. We're looking out for them. They don't have the facilities mm-hmm. to make it. We've got to make it and then give it to the or sell it to them for vast profits to, to make sure it, it's rolled out properly. He's not Australian. I'm doing my dickhead Australian <laughs> accent, but he's obviously American. Yeah, you can just um, use it anywhere. Yeah. Um, but obviously that's bullshit. India can and do make vaccines. These mm. aren't alien technology. There's something that you can set up with a little bit of money and time, even if you aren't already making this kind of vaccine. Bill Gates is a dickhead, and Bill Gates' stance has probably got nothing to do with the fact that his uh, his foundation is heavily invested in IP and medical stocks, mm. and and his net worth has grown by at least twenty billion in twenty twenty. Yeah. yeah, but he's using that to help the world, Isaac. Uh, Bill yeah. Gates is he's one of those real bastions of even people who hate billionaires are often like, but Bill Gates is okay. He's not okay. He's a no. shit guy. There are no He's good a- billionaires, and Bill Gates is actually actively a bad billionaire. But we're not going to go into it now. We'll link you. Some- <laughs> we'll link you something in the show notes. He's a baddie. Bad Gates. Yeah. <laughs> Gates. Gates. <laughs> so just to close up, I just wanted to talk a little bit about who who this affects. I mean, the like Australia is a country of immigrants. Um, there are and twenty eight percent of Australians were were born overseas. Mm. And there are 700,000 people born in India now, now permanently living in Australia. Mm. And so, I mean, that, that, that is so many people just who are just going to be cut off from their, from their families. So many of the people that you, you, you see highlighted in, in, in the press uh, who are stuck now in India have been traveling back to India because, because, you know, a family member has died. Um, or in the case of in the mm. case of uh, of, mm. of the Western Australian outbreak, a, a wedding. So yeah, I mean it's it, it's it's um it's it's just a, it's this this kind of inhumane separation of people from from their families. Um, especially a lot of people come from other countries to Australia and are you know working in our healthcare systems and mm. working in all sorts of parts of Australia, helping us survive the the pandemic. 
And then we say, yeah, but fuck your extended family and you can never visit that country and if you do, you can't come back because we're run by this tiny, tiny little group of old white Australia guys who I think just resent everybody else. I I really think it's just impossible to overstate how hateful the Australian government is. Just generally, I think that that's the, one of their defining characteristics. Speaking of the Australian government being good at making friends, uh, uh. apparently there's, there's people in our government who want to go to war, war? with China. With China <laughs> of, all, of all places. Yeah, you might Which have it, heard that this, like a couple of high up Australian government guys are just... And just somehow decided they want a war. Just out with, of nowhere. With, with China. With China. I mean, um, if you're going to start a war, start one with that we can win. Start small, you know, work yeah, your way up. Exactly. Pick one of the smaller Could, islands between here and China so at least you don't lose by too much. Uh, give my dear. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you got to build up build up your XP, you know, grind, grind for a little bit. Right. God. No, no. Okay, let's let's <clears throat> let's go back to the start because if you haven't been following this, this kind of started because obviously Peter Dutton is now the Minister for Defence or whatever he's friggin' called. Um, that's 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 what it's called. Good. Um, and he's always been a warmongering dickhead. Um, can I say that? Is that alleged dickhead? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so he was talking the other day about uh, how China has this whole thing with Taiwan. I'm not going to go into China, Taiwan. Um, It's fucked up and it's bad. Um, And China is like being weird and expansionisty and 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 trying to like take over Taiwan in various ways and take over other places as well. Now, obviously, that's some some nasty shit that's happening, and and China needs to be kept an eye on, but. Uh, he's like, ah, oh, we do have differences opinions with the ideals of the Communist Party of China, and we we plan to stay in peacetime, but the ADF is ready to meet potential threats. Spoiler, you're not. Um, <laughs> there's a high level of preparedness, as there should be, as there always will be, for our Australian Defence Force to meet the threats that we see in our region towards our country and against our allies. Now... I kind of see where you're like, oh, you know, we're, we're, we're keeping an eye on things. But that comes across as, hey, if China starts something, we'll finish something. If China starts getting stroppy towards Taiwan, which is neither of those are, are our territory or, or anything to do with our interests. But, yeah, maybe we want to be like, oh, you stay away from little Taiwan. But it mm. comes across as very aggressive and you've very got to military. Stop the, red, the red menace, Lang. Yeah, you got to stop that red menace from fighting the slightly smaller red buddy. Um, <laughs> and but everybody knows that. Yeah, yeah. You, you've got to you've got to kind of smooth the whole China Taiwan thing out. You do it with diplomacy, guys. Send them some vaccines or something. <laughs> Don't threaten them with your military. Fuck off, China. <laughs> Fuck off. And so. And so that was followed up on Anzac Day by Michael Pizzullo, who is not a name I've heard about, um, but he's the Home Affairs Department Secretary, so he's, he's pretty high up. He's like the Peter Dutton's little second. Um, <clears throat> he made this incredibly weird, wary speech on Anzac Day that 
I kind of want to just read the whole thing out, but I'll just read our, our some snippets because he starts by talking about how Australia's good buddies with the US, so you better not mess with us. He says, Our national defence strategy has at its heart the protection afforded to Australia in the most perilous circumstances by the military might of the United States, including by way of deterrence effect of its nuclear arsenal and its willingness and preparedness to wage war against a major power adversary. And everyone's like, okay, I guess. So his national defence strategy is... The US has nukes. Yeah. And they'll use them for us. Now, keeping in mind, this is an Anzac Day speech. And last time I checked, it's not an Anzac Day and the US speech. (laughs) It's meant to be about the diggers and about us being small and plucky, but, you know, having a larrikin spirit. It's not about how we're friends with the guys with the nukes. He goes on. Couple paragraphs later. I skipped a bunch of really crazy shit. Uh, to get to where he says, World War, talking about World War, who could begrudge the sorrow of Europeans after the horror of the First World War? Yet, now you don't follow the sorrow of Europeans in the horror of the First World War with yet. Yet, in their sorrow and their revulsion at the thought of another terrible bloodbath, they did not heed the drums of war which beat through the 1930s until too late they once took up arms against Nazism and fascism. Okay. Wait a second. He's saying we learned the wrong lesson from World War One. We learned that uh-huh. war is bad. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Mm. No, that was a mistake. We should have huh. learned, I guess, more war. Right, war. they should have gone to war again sooner. sooner. They didn't heed the drums of war. Now, yeah. you know you know who in Europe, after the horror of the First World War, didn't learn the lesson that war was hell and we should avoid it at all costs? It was, was the it Nazis. Germans? Yeah. Everybody else was like, hey, guys, let's just try and chill with the war thing for a while. We just lost most of our youth. Uh, and Germany was like, no, we still we still want ours. Okay, moving on. Today, as free nations again hear the beating drums and watch worryingly the militarization of issues that we had until recent years thought unlikely to be catalysts of war, let us continue to search unceasingly for the chance of peace while bracing yet again <laughs> for the curse of war. He was writing this at home, being like, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah! He's got he's got flight of the Valkyries this, in the background. This guy just wants to be like in a trench, writing writing this this poem for his uh for his Not- um his his unborn son back at home. This fucking guy. No one in a trench writes this shit, though. (laughs) Let us get about reducing the likelihood of war, but not at the cost of our precious liberty. War might well be folly, but the greater folly is to wish away the curse by refusing to give it thought and attention, as if in doing so, war might leave us be, forgetting us, perhaps. Okay, yeah, this dickhead just wants to be Churchill. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, this guy, this, this fucking, like... Oh, we, we watched the militarization of issues that we had thought unlikely to be catalysts of war. You're the fucking Home Affairs Department secretary, yeah. you little shit. Don't <laughs> militarize them. It's you doing it. He's writing war fanfic here. It's It's got that really strong energy of, like, a little angry guy at a pub talking to his mates, being like, yeah, I don't want to get in a fight, but if I ever did get in a fight, I'd be like, blam, blam, blam. Yeah. And, and like... You gotta know how to fight so that you don't have to, but you gotta be ready to. And it's like, whoa, dude, fuck. Nobody wants to fight. Chill. Jesus. This uh, this guy, um, he, I'm just reading here that he uh, he joined the uh, Department of Defense as a graduate. 
so yeah, I think he's just like a little a little freak for war. He's just never not been a Department of Defense dude. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that we have sane people leading the country with good interests at heart who <laughs> are aware that war is hell. Oh no, I mean it is hell, but sometimes if you want heaven, you got to have a little bit of hell. I'm Mike Pizzullo. That's my <laughs> narrative there. And here's the thing, like people who are in the actual military, like whose job is the war stuff, like Australian Defence Chief Angus Campbell and and everybody he hangs out with are like, war with China would be insane. That's unthinkable. You don't even want to go there because he uh, looks out his window and he sees all of the tanks on that football field and that's all of our tanks and he says, China would fuck us up. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and, and everyone who knows anything about war, or even can read numbers, understands that if we got into a war with China, it would be... We'd, we would be turned into a crater so fast it would nearly be funny. <laughs> Banking on it being funny for the podcast, like China could just roll over in bed and, ac- and accidentally wipe out the Australian military. Yeah. In the distant future, archaeologists would be like, okay, that was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> so I... I hopped on my go-to website, globalfirepower.com, and I ran the numbers, uh, and it's nuts. So, do you know how many tanks China has? Not that it would be a tank war, but they have over 6,000 tanks. We have a little over 50. All right, cool. Uh, They've got 100 times more tanks than us, plus change. How many Nazi flags do we have flying from those 59 tanks? Uh, (laughs) China could rustle up more Nazi flags than us, I bet. (laughs) Like, they make them. Yeah, this is the Chinese military, man. They could outwar crime us so easily if they wanted to. We have 80,000 military personnel. China has three and a half million. That's, That's a bit more. That's a couple more. Now, this would be a naval battle mostly because of all the water in and around um china has a little over 700 boats um including two aircraft carriers and and 80 submarines Mm -hmm. oh i've just lost australia's boats (laughs) that's what mike pizzullo said (laughs) (laughs) did you just run a bath too big here we go australia has 48 boats 48 boats yeah to china's 700 um but six of those are submarines, guys, so watch out. Um, <laughs> but really, it comes down to China has over 300 nukes. We have no nukes. Huh. Oh, That's... but America has nukes, Lang. Yeah. And I reckon because America loves us so much mm-hmm. and things are going so well for them and they're just mostly worried about looking out for Australia, that if we intentionally started a war with China, <laughs> the US would nuke China for us. That's the cornerstone of Australia's defence strategy, as laid out by Peter Dutton, and it seems, to me, to be sensible. It's called mateship, McLean. Australia getting in a war with China and be like, we're going to fight you, China. Come on, America. America's like, oh, man. (laughs) Come on, America. Hit the button. Nuke China. And they're like, what? Yeah, do it. You said. We we what? Come on. Mutually assured, destroy him. America's like, that's not what that means. We spent the last 50 years not doing that. America, you don't want China to take Australia over, do you? They're like, China, are you still going to sell us coal if you take over Australia? China's like, probably. All right. Yeah. Honestly, we're all sick of Australia's shit. Yeah. Um, 
Here's the thing. We've turned this into the funny bit of the pod because it's so laughable. America's just looking at the the recent transcripts of their diplomacy with Australia and that is just a printout of people telling them to fuck you and fuck off because Australia doesn't know a different kind of diplomacy. Yeah, if you don't want our low-grade coal, we'll bloody sell it to Japan. Japan's like, we've stopped building coal coal power plants. They're like, well, we'll sell it to someone. It's so laughable. I'm just... I'm just kind of confused by this whole thing. Like, what are what are they doing? I don't I don't get it. Is it is it just they want to justify buying another submarine? I think they're bored. I think I think he's like I'm the minister of defense, but that's not any fun if there's no war. Mm. Let's do some shit. I want to make a name for myself. I want a statue. Um, And honestly, (laughs) if I was a statue guy and I could choose anyone to make a statue of, it would be Peter Dutton. I think that'd be easy. Just draw a circle. Who is the Chinese Twitter dude who keeps roasting people? <laughs> there's, there's a couple. I'm just of them. thinking that, like, maybe they, they, the, the, the thing that's motivating this is they just haven't been roasted enough recently by the mm-hmm. Chinese Twitter sort of ambassadors. <laughs> and they're just like, we just want to show our ass a bit more, <clears throat> so that some, some Chinese diplomat on Twitter can be like, y- you guys are fucking idiots. Here's the thing. Uh, that they also don't measure on, on globalfirepower.com is China has an army of tens of thousands of high tier shit posters and Australia does not. Well, I mean, it's it's not, I mean, it, just to bring it back into the, the world of the serious as well, China has an incredibly sophisticated cyber warfare, like, you know, <laughs> division. And Australia, our approach to cyber warfare is like, oh, nah, we, the Wi-Fi password has numbers in it. <laughs> They'll never get it. We'll get Stuart Roberts on it. Stuart Roberts, you yeah. got the cyber warfare? Stuart Roberts is tangled in Cat5. He's like, oh, it's, oh, it's here somewhere. <laughs> On the topic of just being run by a, just the loosest <laughs> fucking units who are, 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 are like not even concerned with governing in the slightest. They're just out on the town. That's the mode that all of the Australian government's in. Yep. Andrew fucking Lamming. Andrew Lamming. Australian government is just being on one. Yeah. So, Andrew Lamming, we've mentioned him before, is one of... One of the loosest. It's a, it, who can quantify how loose and who's no, the loosest unit I in Australian government? I think he's government? the loosest unit in Australian government. I think he's the publicly u- mm. loosest unit. I in think Australian if there was government. a looser unit in private, that's not loose. Ooh. I think being a loose unit is not giving a shit about who knows how loose you are. Like we thought Tony Abbott was a loose unit, but what did he do? He creeped out some women and he ate an onion. Lamming does that on a friggin' Friday before breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> But we all know that the first thing you eat is breakfast. So if you eat an onion before breakfast, you had an onion for breakfast and then a later brunch of cereal. Lamming, get your facts straight. He's loose. He doesn't give a shit. Lamming, yeah, he's a he's without getting too deep into the definition of argument of what a loose unit means because we're really on top of the important topics. Uh, not good enough. Um, he has been uh, very credibly accused of like just being a huge creep to a lot of women and uh he pushed over a kid and he stalked and harassed people online and he's just got like this real litany of just like bonkers shit that he got up to 
Um, and he was uh, under a lot of fire for it a couple of weeks ago. And uh, the government was like, all right, we're going to deal with the problem of this extremely loose unit in parliament by ordering him to take empathy training and no other consequences. Well, I, I expected that they would have been like, here's our government mandated empathy training. Like with everything in a bureaucracy, they've got this shit set up, they contract it. But no, they said, Lamming, we need you to take empathy training. Go find some empathy training and do that. Yeah, Garan- I guarantee that there is a module that he has that 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 all the uh, all the uh, public servants have to do. Not lambing though; he's gone no. to empathytraining.biz. He's clicked <laughs> yes on the empathy button. It's printed out a little certificate with word art on it that says Dr. Lambing cares, and yeah. he's like done. And what he found out at the time was that he probably has too much empathy. Mm. Um, that, that's I think- a direct quote there, yeah. right? He's so yeah. good at empathy training. Yeah. He said, if anything, I've got too much empathy, um, which, which means Showed he can actually- Showed him that he cares too much for other people. <clears throat> yeah, he can, he can hear the thoughts of people around him telling him to burn things. Fucking hell. And now it turns out that, no, his problem isn't being a raging dickhead, it's ADHD. That's ah, his new claim. That That's what it. it was. It was ADHD. He's not culpable for any of the things he did. It's ADHD. Mm. He says that he spoke to somebody who understood ADHD intimately, mm-hmm. and then I took medication the next day. And on the second day, I'm just absolutely clear on the biological nature <clears> of this. I was stunned that I'd just taken a tablet, and the thoughts I'd lived with all my life, raging in my head, were just polite. Huh. So, speaking as someone who has ADHD, yeah, I reckon maybe Lamming might have ADHD. Like, maybe he has bunions. But I don't think that explains all of his problems. And yeah, if you prescribe someone some stimulants and they have ADHD, it will it will make their head a bit clearer. It will help them be a bit more focused. If you prescribe stimulants to somebody without ADHD, it'll make them feel pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, I took medication the next day and I just became absolutely clear on the biological nature of this. Like... Yeah, dude, sounds like you took some Dexies <laughs> and just, like, had a moment of sort of, like, upper's clarity. Like, <laughs> I was stunned that I'd just taken a tablet and I just felt amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like, he may well have ADHD. I would not be surprised. But having ADHD does not make you this kind of dickhead. Yeah. Like, ADHD is not related to having empathy for other people. It What, what it does, yeah. At worst, it will make you obnoxious. It will make you annoying and rude because you're bored and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm sick of this dumb meeting. Oh, I'm going to talk over people. Oh, I'm, I'm going to say something inappropriate because my brain is like, I need stimulation. And, and I see that in Lamming. He's like going to parties, doing keg stands. He's doing crazy <laughs> stunts in public. He's saying weird stuff to people. But the stuff that Lamming does that really f- shits people isn't he's a bit annoying. It's mm. he's an active creep. He's upskirting yeah. women. He's harassing yeah, people. He yeah. stalks people online. He, he doesn't. He doesn't do that thing where you go. Maybe this person has feelings, and I shouldn't do a bad thing. And when you do that bad thing, you feel bad about it. He doesn't have any indication that that is happening. Yeah, he's got the ADHD hyperfocus, but that hyperfocus manifests <laughs> as stalking people on Facebook and messaging them consistently over a period yeah. of years. Oh, yeah, that's very ADHD. Oh, everybody's a little bit ADHD. Everybody stalks people online. Fuck you, man. <laughs> the other the other great thing here is um, he said, oh, he talked to someone who knew a lot about ADHD and then he took medication the next day. Well, fuck you, because yeah. it takes six months to get a goddamn referral to a psychologist and get that medication. 
So yeah, it's it's good. It's good being a bloody wealthy politician. Mm-hmm. He's also a medical doctor. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that possibly explains how he can just prescribe himself <laughs> Dexies whenever he wants. <laughs> I'm sure there's no ethics conflict there. <laughs> There was actually quite a good interview with Lamming by Patricia Carvalis on the ABC. And look, I would love for us to never see or hear from Lamming again. He should have been out of politics months ago, and he doesn't show any sign of wanting to go out of politics. But the next best thing to never seeing or hearing from me again is a journo calling him on his shit. And this is what she did, because basically he kept trying to talk about ADHD and he's using it a bit as an excuse, at the very Hmm. least as an explanation but mostly as an excuse for all this terrible shit that he's done and that keeps coming out that he's done and is doing more of. The weird thing there is he's also made it clear that he doesn't think any of this stuff was bad. Like, he has taken back the apologies he gave. Mm. He's, he's, he's said, oh, this wasn't harassment, this was a misunderstanding, it was a funny thing, none of this stuff I did was bad. I'm in the right, I haven't done anything wrong, and also it was because of ADHD. And she's called him out really well (laughs) with being like, what was because of ADHD? Like, what do you... Does that mean you're sorry for these things? And you're saying... name the thing you you did wrong. (laughs) Yeah. You can't say you did nothing wrong and also here's my excuse. Mm. Because those are mutually exclusive. Either you did something wrong and you have an excuse, or you didn't do anything wrong and you don't need an excuse. He refused to engage, uh, threatened her with defamation. <laughs> it was quite funny. She said, are you threatening me? He said, well, oh, no, I came here to talk about ADHD, not to talk about all this other politics stuff. If we wanted to talk about ADHD, we would have interviewed someone who heard of it a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> Just one last little bit about Lamming. There was a tweet that was going a little bit viral yesterday. I'm not going to um, credit the person because uh, I'm going to shit on the tweet a little bit. Um, <laughs> but the, the the tweet was going around saying, I heard some serious shit about Lamming today. I can't repeat it at this point. If this ever got out about him, there'd be teeth and nails flying and he wouldn't be in any job, let alone government. I seriously hope one day people get the courage to move against him. People retweeting this being like, whoa, what, what could the scoop be? Oh, my goodness. I, I fully believe that people are privy to information about Lamming doing mm. way worse stuff than we've heard about. Because mm. he's got a very, oh, yeah. very long, you know, uh, list of shit that he has done publicly, remorselessly, that's totally wild. So, of course, he's going to be doing worse stuff, you yeah. know, and, and keeping it under wraps. And since he's come out with this, with this uh, ADHD uh, claim... Uh, four new women have come out saying that that Lamming has done things that have uh, ranged from uh, making them uncomfortable to being uh, giant eye emoji. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ranging from concerning to potentially criminal. Yeah. yeah. So th- th- I I I whether the this person really has heard an in- astonishing scoop about Lamming or whether this person is just you know putting some some you know sparks out there I I just I just want to think about this little bit where it's like if this ever got out there'd be teeth and nails flying and he wouldn't be in any job let alone government this sort of faith in belief the system that <laughs> If somebody does something bad enough and that gets public, they would be kicked out of government? Like, have you been paying attention 
at all mm. for the last year plus, you know, friggin' ages. This, this government has come out enthusiastically in the defense of convicted pedophiles, war criminals, rapists. Yeah. Like, the, the, there is. What could. He could have been, like, you know, a serial killer. They would be like, well, you know, we've told him to go back to empathy.biz and do another questionnaire on that one. Yeah. And th- 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 there's no way. That somebody would get kicked out by the government. Yeah, where is the line? Um, until until the government is in a situation where Lamming does not provide the one vote that they need to stay in to stay in uh, in government, there will be zero consequences. I think that even if he wasn't the linchpin vote, because this government realizes, and I think correctly, that. As soon as somebody faces consequences for anything, mm-hmm. that sets a precedent that consequences involve leaving government. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that this government is like, they don't, ever. I, I think that they could have tons of votes aside from Lemming, but they still wouldn't put consequences on him because they don't want to open that can of worms that says you can be forced out of government for misbehavior. Yeah, they spent a really long time moving that window over to there is nothing that involves you leaving government. There are no fireable offenses. And I think I think this this tweet is is you know it's like all the all the people that are replying to this tweet are like the real the real dregs of droplet Twitter. And and I think that this really shows the the, the vision of the, the the kind of droplet Twitter Labour Party stands of a a world where where the system works and yeah. but just the wrong people are in control. And that's yeah. I think that's the thing with droplet Twitter is their hearts are in the right place, but they're mostly privileged enough or haven't been paying enough attention that they think the system is inherently functional. Mm. Yeah, it's largely fine. It just needs some tweaks around the edges. Yeah. This droplet Twitter, by the way, if you're if you're not across that, is a sort of section of Twitter. The people put droplets emojis in their usernames. As this is a, a really old to reference the to yeah. water buyback scandal. Yeah, that was, Angus uh, Taylor around Angus Taylor yeah. and Barnaby Joyce. This is years and years ago, but it, it's now just become a bit of a sort of like rallying cry thing for just semi-deranged Labour supporters online. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because at this point, to be a hardcore Labour supporter, to believe super strongly in Labour, there's got to be a weird mental blockage there because Labour doesn't believe super strongly in Labour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, I do have one theory of something Lamming could have done, and that's if he was caught on tape being like, reckon fossil fuels are bad, eh? <laughs> yeah. He'd be out. Yep. Whoosh. This is the one that I'm always coming back to. The one thing that would get you kicked out of the government is being pro-climate action or, you know, maybe he unironically said Black Lives Matter <laughs> or you know, trans rights. We should tax the rich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the crime is not towing the party line. There were no other real crimes. Shoutouts this week. Uh, refugee activist Shane Bazzi is being sued for defamation by Peter Dutton mm. uh, because Shane said that Peter Dutton was a rape apologist after Peter Dutton said that uh, people were fabricating rape claims so that they could get into Australia, uh, which uh, you know some say is rape apologism. Yeah. Uh, Definitely uh, skirting very close to the rape apologism. I don't want to say he's a rape apologist. He's just finding reasons to make rape victims look like they're using rape to further their own ends in an apologetic kind of way. 
But certainly uh, refugee activist Shane Bazzi uh, said it in a tweet and Peter Dutton is suing him because it's fine and normal for a uh, federal MP to just take legal action against a a dude who's just been recently kicked off Centrelink. Um, So shout out to Shane Bazzi. There is a fundraiser to help raise funds for his legal defense. Uh, It's going to cost a lot of money, but it is also uh, the most direct way to send a fuck you to Peter Dutton. So if you're interested in doing that, we'll put a link to that fundraiser in the show notes and uh, you can throw some money at that fund and help support the right to speak out about the government when they do fucked shit which yeah. is in our estimate a good right support posters rights this is this is suing over a tweet don't sue over a tweet but it's yeah i'm i'm wishing we talked about this earlier now because this is like some fashy shit this is suing someone for having a strong opinion about a political statement Dutton is a politician talking politics, and if we as citizens can't be like, reckon that was a bit fucked, eh? What is a democracy? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't. I, I'm, I'm astonished to see fashy shit coming out of Dutton. <laughs> um, I really would have thought better of him. Um, so you know, don't sue me for that. I, I was really in Dutton's corner up until now. Uh, <laughs> Man, I'd hate to see Dutton's corner. It's probably full of guns. Probably full of guns. It's got one water pistol on it, and he's got the other guy in the other corner who is full of guns, and he's like, I'm going to fucking shoot you to death, you little... (laughs) (laughs) Little shout-out, if you want to listen to something that is almost not entirely political at all, I was on a different podcast. It's called Reanimates uh, with good mate Lisa Dibb, Um, and every week she watches a Jeffrey Combs movie with someone and talks about Jeffrey Combs. And if you don't know who Jeffrey Combs is, that's the point of the podcast. <laughs> Check it out. Thanks for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. You can get in touch with us on all the socials at notgoodpod or email us at notgoodpod at protonmail.com. Love to hear all that feedback. Um, and oh, I don't know, if you've got your bloody iTunes app open, leave us a review and a rating and stuff. That's also helpful. That's all great. So cheers for that. Uh, Not Enough is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. And just a reminder that Australia is a colonialist project and sovereignty was never ceded.